gentle touch And things are going our way Welcome, everyone, once again to Bandwidth. We are here with our friends to discuss and to work through some of the most difficult topics in MTG Finance today. One of those topics is what are we going to do with Wizards? The second topic, really, is how do we even get started in MTG Finance? My, my first question of the day, as always, is, my friends, who's here with us today? Uh, Bacon's here again for another fun-filled week, and I'm happy to not be driving the bus tonight. <laughs> Coda is here with us. Coda? Hi. Is Coda here? Sorry, I've been talking for six hours. I don't know what to say now. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Papa is hiding out in the muted section as of right now, but he will join us in person as he has things to add. Papa, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm here and listening and hoping to add what I can today. And Wolf, my dear friend, Chris, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. So one of the things that we've just noticed even today is that Wizards of the Coast, after opening up in-store play earlier this, this summer, has now subsequently closed in-store play until September at the very least, and maybe not until the end of the year. Once again, this does affect MTG Finance, but not as much as we thought. I believe what we will be seeing is a radical dumping of last year's cards very quickly. The, the cards that are rotating will become uh, much cheaper in the next coming weeks, and so you should be able to pick up any cards that you need for Pioneer or other historic formats in the coming weeks. Does anybody have anything that they would like to share regarding this announcement from Wizards today? Yeah, I'd like to clarify that when I read it, it says the United States and Latin America, and it's only for, you know, sanctioned play of some sort, which means that EDH play by and large won't be as effective as it would. People don't really go for a sanctioned EDH game in the States. Also, Europe and, and Japan... I didn't see any mention of Europe, Japan, or Canada, for that matter, in the suspension of play um, in store. So this may or may not have a big effect, and it may have a different effect in Europe than it does in, in the United States. Uh, I actually passed this on to one of my LGSs before, and they were told to operate under the standard Irish government guidelines here, so the, the health, the HSC. And they're basically saying they can operate it to the equivalent of a pub meeting. So they can have, I think, 12 people in two meter distancing, but they have like time frame restrictions as to how long they can spend in the center. That's going to create some interesting gameplay within stores in Europe. One of the other announcements that's coming down from Wizards of the Coast, more importantly from Judge Academy, is the release of Judge promos in the next week. If the pattern follows as previous previously announced, they should be shipping out on July 15th and should be in judges' hands within a week in North America and within two weeks to South America and Europe, uh, including Japan. Uh, the main thing that's happening right now is the worldwide distribution of judge promos is happening very slowly. So 
uh, please be aware and uh, be watching for those judge promos to, to be coming out. Once again, your best opportunity to purchase judge promos are in the first month. And subsequently from that, there will be a huge shift in the, in the pricing market uh, within six months. So please be aware of that. Please be cognizant of it. And I also wanted to make you aware of uh, the fact that online judge conferences are starting and those are being foil supported as well and so some of those foil packets are coming out to judges even as we speak do you have any idea how that affects the supply compared to um three six months ago so actually none of the old judge promos are being reprinted we are getting four brand new judge promos being printed right now after discussion with a number of different judges, our rough estimate is that there are approximately 10,000 promos being printed of each. Uh, they'll be distributed usually in numbers of one uh, to most judges, and then subsequently two and four to L2s and L3s. Uh, those promos are very important uh, to judges as it allows us uh, to continue to do what we do. Is, is 10,000 a high number or a low number? That for, is for, compared to others. That is to other average preference. per year. Okay. Are you still holding on to your uh, demonic tutors, the creepy girl one? Uh, I sold one for $120 uh, just this past week. I think $120 is reasonable, but I also think purchasing them from Europe right now would be a good thing. Um, so I'm just going to hop on Magic Card Market here. Yeah, good luck with that one, Ken, because uh, I sold three um at 130 137 and 141 in the last week um and card market is drying up real quick i've actually been um i've been trying to reach out to any of the judges locally to meet here and some of the ones in the uk and just seeing if they're interested in the current card market pricings because i would happily take them off their hands at, at the trend it's i think we talked about this one before that it would, it's going to eventually be a 200 card right now in europe you can order from Spain and get eight copies at 90 euros a piece. Um, and those um, those eight copies were actually 81 euros about five days ago. So this is this is one that's definitely going to be jumping. The other one that I that I'm seeing better returns on right now, at least quicker, is Ristic Study. Uh, I purchased uh, a few of them this past week for uh, 50 euros a piece, which is about 60 dollars US. I sold one uh, at the hundred. 100 plus mark uh, about two weeks ago three weeks ago uh, so once again everyone we come to that time of the show where we ask the hard question of uh, where would you put a hundred dollars today and uh, with all the announcements this past week and with everybody being so busy with summer activities we've we've had to rely more on wolf and bacon to uh, bring about some some very good speculative cards for us uh Wolf Bacon, do you have anything that you would like to share with us today? Yeah, I do, but Wolf, do you want to go first this time? Uh, sure. Um, I can definitely talk about uh, one uh, fascinating thing. I, I think I've thrown it in the Discord a couple of times, but uh, as much as we were talking about um, vendors, uh, you know, no modern or, or whatever it is, no uh, in-paper events, uh, Card Kingdom, uh, their buy list is very heavily leaning into buying up all the modern staples that people are willing to sell them. Um, if you've been looking at the newspaper, uh, you'll probably start seeing it now on the merchant one. 
Uh, all of my forecasts have just been absolutely terrible, absolutely terrible for uh, the the buyless trajectory on these modern cards. Uh, so either I have to admit that I was wrong, I don't know, <laughs> no. um, or somebody's putting their finger on the scale here. And uh, it, it makes sense to me that as, as the prices of these modern staples are suppressed, uh, the vendors are taking kind of an aggressive stance, making it look like they're offering a high percentage of the card, kind of uh, knowing that they are, I guess not knowing, but betting that they will survive. I would assume they know better than anyone else, but uh, long enough to to kind of capitalize on when we do finally get a uh, paper tournament back, everyone's going to be watching it, and they're going to be uh, very, very well positioned to, to, to move those cards at profit, which is kind of cool. Is there any card specifically that you would point out today, Wolf? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor is one that has absolutely... Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say exploded, but I don't know if that's necessarily fair. But that was a card that last week the buy list offer on it was $45. Uh, this was the EMA edition. And then this week, I think it was today or yesterday, it was $58. Um, Tarmogoy, if you're a perennial $100 card, uh, you know, the, that one was $18 a week ago and it's $25 now. I, I can't believe Tarmogoy is $25, but hey. Um, Dark Confident was $33. It's now up to $40. Like these are, I don't know, I guess you could say maybe, oh no, because Jace is in, I was about to say maybe Jun good stuff. But no, these are just cards that you see in modern. Um, I see the odd one out here, uh, Mana Reflection and uh, like Kozilek Butcher of Truth. So you still see some EDH stuff that's kind of uh, growing predictively, but uh, the rest of it is, is pretty chaotic. So I would say definitely keep an eye on Jace the Mind Sculptor. Uh, I don't know particularly why other than the reason i previously explained but this is just a card that is is moving bacon as as you're looking uh, across uh, any number of things right now what are you seeing uh from your perspective of cards that we should watch and cards that we should uh, start to try to purchase i am watching mystery singles actually very closely at the moment and funnily enough, uh, two of the ones that I have as like a, a short-term and a long-term pick this week are actually mystery singles. Um, haven't really called any, any of them out because there's been such a large quantity of those in the current market. But um, it is starting to get to the point where the vend, like the main vendors, not necessarily TCG, but the big vendors are actually just losing all their inventory, um, and the buy lists are now reflecting, and they're pushing the buy lists up to to kind of deal with the fact that there is the lack of the inventory in the bigger stores and that just means that the opportunities are now open from the EU to pick up anywhere from 4 to 20 copies of these uh, premier uncommons and rares from uh, mystery boosters and you can already be covered uh, at buy list so it just it basically means it's just a free run you can cash in now uh, one of them in particular is actually a freebie and uh, that is my short-term pick for this week, which is Goblin Bombardment, uh, the uncommon for the mystery boosts. And this is purely an EU play. Uh, in the last, I think it's about five days now, a um, few of the websites have slightly increased their buy list, but then CK decided to push above everyone. And they buffed their buy list by about 50%, and they've gone up to $3.50 on the single for mystery booster. 
uh, which is really high considering that TCG low is around that $4.50 mark. So there's less than that 67% discrepancy that they kind of have. But then when you jump back over to the EU, these are all two euros and you can get chunks of four to eight copies in that two to 250 mark shipped. So you already covered it by list if you want to make a small margin, but really the better play is just to bring these into the US and just have them ready for the, the progressional drain out of the market. You can stick them on TCG and get five each quite happily and make a double up, or you can just hold them for a couple of weeks, let the drain continue, and we'll probably see more action with this one in the near future. I even noticed that uh, face-to-face games are taking like 200 copies of this card at $3, and their credit is a double up straight up from the EU. So that it's just one of these really easy grab from the EU, take to the US, make a bit of profit short term, or sit on them and make a bit more profit. So I can't really lose with that one. Uh, mid-term, I'm looking at uh, Moldrotha, the Gravetide, non-foils. Uh, actually, most of my picks, uh, all my picks this week are EU buys. Uh, this one's kind of similar. Uh, European buy, eight to nine euros shipped over here with the US retail market already sitting at 14. And once again, the buy list is already covering at nine to 10. So it's a safe, uh, safe pick. Um, you're not going to lose anything by just picking up whatever we have left in the EU market. There's been a real steady drain on these uh, just because it's a desirable commander stable. Everyone knows that. TCG Low is selling these from 14 to 14.50. And every day there's been consistent sales. Buy list forecasting is kind of where this one gets me because right now it has been trending and it's gone. It's finally hit that $9 mark. Um, but it's still, even in the forecast that we have from the other week, I've been following it this week as well, it's still on trajectory. So it's kind of looking to be about $12 in about 10 weeks, uh, and that's probably through CK. And then once these few are cleared up around that $14 to $16 range on TCG, this is going to be a $20 card on CK within about three months. So that's just a straight up medium pick. No real risk on it. Um, you can't go wrong with those commanders. There is a possibility that it could come back in Commander uh, Legends, but at least you've got the buy list out. So. If you do decide to pick up them, just keep an eye on any types of spoilers and notifications and get out if you have to. And long term, Birds of Paradise. Once again, it is Mystery Booster Single. I've actually been following this one from back when they brought out Core 21, uh, because that's when I started looking at cats and dogs when they made that cats and dogs mythic. And the bird was just one of the ones that I, I, I wanted to see it worth more than what it was. But because it was a mystery single, I knew there'd be a, a really, really large quantity of these things in the market. And they've always sat around that four to five euro range over here. They, they haven't really moved. But the good thing is, is the US market is now actually moving. And for the first time since these singles have been released, the buy list is now on par with the EU retail. So you can get these around that five euro mark for playsets over here. And you're looking at the 550 buy list out and then possibly more for credit. So technically, if you want a credit, you can flip it. Um, but the, these things are just such a strong staple in Commander. Like that, that They need no introduction. Every green-based deck has at least one copy of this in Commander. Then it's a four times in all of the modern staple decks, sometimes even played in Legacy or, land, or, or whatever types of decks that just need that fast mana. So it's kind of just a, a brainless pick really you can just i i'm probably going to pick up three or four play sets myself and just hold them like i, I don't want to sell them I, I just want to have them in my stock 
if all of a sudden the market begins to swing, great. Uh, I've got them on hand and I can stick them on TCG. I can even see now like TCG low on these is around that $5 mark as well. So you, you can, I'm not going to sell them just yet. It is kind of good to see that the, the buy list outs are there at the same time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, just to, sorry, I had my, my head in a, in a computer uh, when I was first going. So uh, I can kind of uh, offer a little bit more substance on mine as well here now that I've, I've had a little time. Uh, yeah, please do. Um, so I actually, I have, I have three cards pulled up right in front of me. Uh, for um, I would say more as a uh, short-term play just because uh, this is a card that I've found to be uh, liquid as water, as they say, uh, and that's uh, Phyrexian Altar. Uh, the more I can get from these out of the EU or uh, as I've actually been resorting to lately, shipping the long way around the world uh, from Japan through Europe and then to me since Japan still doesn't want to ship to the U.S., um, but this is a card I literally, I got in another eight today. I listed them and within three hours, they were all sold. Um, this, this card is just, uh, the U.S. price right now is so far above the rest of the world. Uh, if you just want, uh, quote unquote, easy money, uh, if you can find copies of Phyrexian and Alter, it's selling for $45 plus fluidly. Um, so that is, that, that's just a card that's right for opportunities in the here and now. I, I don't know how long that's going to last. Obviously, it's, it's a bit of a vacuum right now, but uh, if you can get in on that, I think that's a, a good place to be. Uh, in terms of, I'm just going to mix my, I'm going to call both of these uh, midterm specs because uh, I'm not going to be holding these for longer than the next 90 to 120 days. Uh, but Berserk out of uh, Conspiracy, I'm not quite sure which one, uh, but this is the one CMC green instant uh, where target creature gains trample and plus X plus zero until end of turn where X is its power. Uh, this is a card where its current TCG pricing structure is just wrong. Uh, and if you look right there, you'll see, uh, yes, I do own copies of the foils. And yes, I am trying to take full advantage of my direct status on that one. Uh, but even the non-foils, I actually, I just picked up uh, about a dozen, just under a dozen. Uh, just because uh, if you can find these uh, around online, still for around $20, $25, uh, I think this card is under tremendous pressure right now. Uh, and I've been watching uh, the the drain from the market. This is not a card that's selling quickly, uh, but nobody is resupplying. So that could change soon, uh, as soon as people actually notice. And uh, I'm going to assume whenever this card shows up on MGG stocks, it's going to be in the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm just hoping to be sitting pretty. Uh, so you do, I think, you have a little time to, to scrounge around and find these copies and, and list them, whether it's eBay or GCG. Uh, and whenever it gets uh, a spotlight and everyone starts freaking out that, oh my God, you could have never seen this coming, put a little put a little money in your pocket. Uh, and then the other one, this one's more risky. Uh, I like it just because uh, I, I like the flip walkers. Uh, so out of uh, MG Origins, this is Liliana, the heretical healer. Um, it's almost like with the release of Port 21, Liliana has almost it's almost like a tribal theme like i've seen chandra tribal but now that liliana has the standard bearer she's got the steward she's got the uh, i don't know but it's almost I, yeah it's like i'm seeing sales to people who are buying liliana themed edh decks uh and the flip version of her is actually selling really well uh supply isn't as low as i would like it to be but it's definitely i think lowered 
than it should be. And the, the market price for this card, and this is going to reveal my interest right away, uh, shows as being $14.93. But for direct sellers, it's selling for around $21.22. Uh, so that is definitely a place that I'm really enjoying sitting in because in theory, you could just buy from the non-direct sellers and try and sell to the direct customers and you could still be clearing a couple bucks. Uh, obviously not the wisest strategy, but I like that that exists. Uh, and then if you just if you just walk down the ladder, sales are steady. Uh, this is I think it's difficult, not impossible to to reprint these flip walkers. Uh, I don't like the foil version the, from the Vault Transform because those cards are they've been more than a pretzel. Um, so uh, trying to to eke out a position in these before that price point crawls back up to twenty twenty five dollars I think and settles down. Those are all very solid picks and very good things to listen to as we uh, move forward with our cast. And you may be wondering, uh, this cast has been uh, kind of odd. Not a whole lot of people know uh, what we're talking about just yet. Uh, because the idea came to us last night while just about everybody was asleep. And uh, except for me, I was, I was up pretty late last night and uh, had some suggestions from the channel uh, to be able to start looking at how to get back to basics. You know, we are buyers and sellers at heart. Uh, we desire to, to make money off of uh, MTG Finance and do it in an efficient way as possible and to be able to do things in uh, a very particular way. And one of the things that I had to learn just as I was starting is that if you don't track your specs and if you don't track your sales, are you really involved in MTG Finance? What, what, what do you gentlemen think? What, what is necessary in tracking specs and tracking your purchases? Bacon, do you have anything? That's a tough one. Because, I mean, from I've only really been getting into this now for the last two years. And um, when I first began, I, I did every single cent that I spent I had a spreadsheet I was tracking every single sale and I, I noticed that very quickly over the first say four to six weeks the the purchases were increasing um, and then my sales began increasing at the same time and I was sending out buy lists and the more I got engrossed into the market the more there was opportunities and so I'd I'd spend a hundred dollars in the first week and then 200 in the second and then 500 in the fourth. And it got to the point where I was putting so much money in that I just, I didn't have the time to track all my specs. And it got to the stage where I went from like, um, a, a, what are they called? A, um, the dragon shield deck box full of specs. And about four months, it was a 5k account box of stuff that I just bought. And cause I was just flipping back and forth. That's just where I ended up. And I, I think I stopped tracking it. And I noticed that when I stopped tracking, it just became part of my everyday. I just log in and I'd find out what I'd bought, uh, how much, how much accessible funds do I have to buy some more? When is my next buy list um, per payment coming back in? When's my next sale coming back in? And it got like that until the point where all I had was cards and no money. Uh, and <laughs> that's that is where a lot of people end up. Um, and I I eventually bit the bullet. And I sold about 70% of my failed specs for the last 18 months. I probably took a couple of thousand dollar hit on them, 
But I was just so sick of the mismanagement that I did in the beginning that I just wanted a fresh start. And I'd, I'm sure I'd made the money back, but then I'd lost. I'd, I'd made it in great specs, and then I lost my ass in bad ones. So I probably came out even on a few. And that's just kind of where where I am now. At least now I I do actually have a far smaller collection. Like my my 5k count box now only has about a thousand cards in it, and I have a, a small group of singles accessible to my desk, which I'm selling through TCG. Um, so I'm tracking everything through there at the moment. I've almost stopped selling on Card Market just because I'm so busy on TCG now. And yeah, that's that's where I'm at with my stuff. Uh, because I have so many arbitrage deals going back and forth, I have more of everyone else's cards in my house than my than my own. So I just have boxes here with different people's names on them. And as more things come in, I assign them to there and I update their Google Sheets and on to the next one. I know that Coda is always interested in well-selling uh, speculations, but he is also... Coda, w would you say that you just like to purchase cards that you would play, or uh, how are you keeping track of the cards that you're buying and selling? I'm a better example because uh, I mostly go from memory. I have a semi-eidetic vision, so I, I vaguely remember how much I spent and where I got the card. And I only use uh, uh, like a deck box for like having a list of cards. I can... This is uh, this is something new that I've that I'm just learning about people. Your memory is such that that you don't have to track things on paper. Like I I do because I don't want to like uh, wear out my my memory. But I I have a, a vague idea of how much I paid and of of every single card I own. Unfortunately. <laughs> So much wasted memory. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Coda's page with that. Are Are you doing something similar, Papa? Well, I I, I started as a collector for twenty plus years. I just collected and consumed and hoarded cards, and then I began buying as an investment, thinking that okay, well, I'll buy some boxes here and there, and I'll just hold on to them. And then, probably about three years ago, I decided to start buying singles that I didn't need in particular but i thought would go up in price so i think that's really where i started investing in the in the way we know it today um but i never really kept track of exactly what i had on paper at all um i'm with coda I, I see everything as it comes in i remember where i got it i have a vague idea of when i got a card and how much i paid for it and whatnot and i really didn't need to write anything down until this last probably a few months ago when i decided to do you know, uh, my taxes and had lots and lots of uh, income that I had to account for in terms of cost. And so I went about um, collecting all the different uh, costs that I had in, in, I had incurred in 2019. Um, I actually wrote a, a tool that, that those of us in the, in the inner, inner sanctum of the Patreon can access, which is a way to go scrape all of your TCG history and dump it into one file. So, um, I've got my, my TCG purchases going back as many years as they've kept track, which is two or three or four years, I forget now. But uh, I really didn't keep track until this year. Um, and I'm still kind of lazy at it. I only do it uh, every couple months after the fact. I'm a little behind now, and I need to go through my purchase history. You know, have it, Keeping your emails, never deleting an email, is a good, good way to have something to reference later, um, especially when you do as much purchasing online and not really in person. 
Um, so I, I totally understand where code is coming from. It, it doesn't, it, it seems like a waste of time to write things down. Um, so I don't know. I, I know I have to do it because I'd like to report my taxes correctly. I don't want to pay an exorbitant amounts of taxes on, on income that I don't have any, any history of actually incurring a cost for. So that's the, the motivating factor for me. And, and also emails are have nowadays have such a good uh, search engine that if you don't remember, it's usually easy to go search for your invoice and just see how much you paid for a card. Yeah, I had, I had over 2,100 orders that I wanted to gather together and TCG didn't have a way to dump that. So I wrote a scraper that basically walked through 210 pages of TCG orders at 10 at a time and pulled it all into a spreadsheet. I know Wolf has used it and some other people have used it. So go ahead and hit me up if you don't know where that is and you'd like to get your order history because it's a pretty good thing to have. I actually just wrote it yesterday and today I literally took your PowerShell script and rewrote it into, into R for my workflow. <laughs> so I'm very familiar with it right now. Actually, I'm just going to hijack the cast for just a minute because, only because I want to brag about this win and tell this opportunity to everyone. Uh, I just sold five Nature's Wills uh, from Kamigawa at $17.99 each on TCG Low. These things are six to eight euro for EX and DMs on card market, and they're already covered at $20 buy lists in the US. So please go and clear them out. <laughs> Possible, possible reprinting double master because everything that is double is possibly there. Who knows? Yeah, but you've already got the buyer list covered, so just buy and flip. Yeah, you'll you'll be out before the previews even begin. Hey, this this kind of thing happens every single week. If those of you who who are listening, uh, all of a sudden we we hear about something that just kind of just baffles us, and you know it's something that's that's happening. Uh, to be able to hear that people are buying out Hall of Heliod's generosity, to be able to hear about cards like, uh, what was the name of that card again, Bacon? Uh, Nature's Will from Champions of Kamigawa. Nature's Will. Uh, to be able to hear about that, and I hear Wolf's keyboard and Coda's keyboard rolling here, uh, they're doing exactly this. They are uh, investing money in Europe and bringing it across via their arbitrage partners and into the U.S., and this happens every single week during cast, and sometimes we edit it out, sometimes we don't. But it's one of those things that's just kind of encouraging. Um, I'm, I'm excited for what's happening. Uh, Wolf, you have been, uh, you and I have worked together for over a year now on getting me better organized uh, in tracking my specs. And I'm, I'm still not the greatest at it, but uh, some of your tools are absolutely fantastic for, for tracking cards. Um, what, what are you, you are constantly developing better tools to be able to track cards. Is that something that, that you're still passionate about or are you more interested in the newspaper side of things now? Uh, I'm, been forced to to really up my tools uh when i when i hear coda and, uh, and jim say that they they do it by memory uh i'm not gonna lie to you the first thing that i think in my head is wild childs um because that's that to me um if you listen to me enough or just i'm very 
I guess I would say meticulous uh, because I, I can't, that that's reckless abandon to me because I won't, I don't remember yesterday. I literally don't remember what I had for dinner yesterday, let alone what I bought a card for <laughs> like a year or so ago. So for me, I, I have to have that, that tracked ledger. Uh, and especially now, um, like what I was doing for the longest time on TCG was because I kind of tried to follow a model where I would buy more expensive cards and, and sell them. So my inventory was much smaller. So when I sold a card uh, on TCG or something, I would actually just go in at the end of the week and do it by hand and just throw them into my spreadsheet. It was a little time consuming, but it was kind of like I get to see my wins, so it was fun. Uh, but now that I kind of had to up my inventory to get TCG direct status and I'm selling much higher volume um, I can't keep up so I I've actually created a tool I mean you can do this I mean TCG gives you this export I just don't like their export um, just to go in grab my sales format it in a fashion that actually lines up with that spreadsheet uh, that I think you might I know you have I'm not sure if you're still using it uh, Ken but the I literally formatted it so that the export directly integrates in to that, that Google sheet. So you just have to click a button. It goes, it grabs your sales. And while I was there, I was like, I might as well recreate what Jim made and, and grab my purchase history. Uh, and, and yeah, so I, I'm definitely very meticulous in, in comparison to, to the two priors that we've heard. And so being able to keep track of your specs is really important, but even more so, uh, is organizing your specs. And I think it's about once a month, I go through my desk and I take all my little CK boxes and I organize them in a specific order and I put the cards in there that I'm keeping for myself to play with versus cards that I'm getting ready to sell. And I have one long box of spec cards that absolutely works for me. I know that Charlie has spent a lot of time developing dividers and stickers for us to be able to track our specs. Um, he is actually developing a, a web page even now so that you can order these stickers and dividers directly from him to be able to use in your own spec tracking. Charlie is extremely organized and he deals with thousands of dollars of product every single day. I know that other people have handwritten stickers themselves, but uh, that just seems like a it seems like a waste of time. Uh, what we want to do is to do this very quickly. And Charlie has created some, some systems to be able to do that. And you can PM him directly to be able to grab his information uh, and to be able to purchase cards from him or purchase these stickers from him or the dividers from him very, very quickly. Bacon, you've said that you've gone from a 5K box to a 1K box. Uh, what are you doing to organize your cards? Um, organization-wise, I really just, uh, I have quantities of what I have now, and that's that's really the only thing I've got organized. Like, everything's in different penny sleeves. Um, they're all uh, sectioned into areas in my box from, from when I bought them, and whether they're not, they're advertised on TCG or, or Card Market, or I've got them in, like, another slot for long-term. But I just, it's just more that I, I now have it all online. So I just have my Google Docs all set up so I can at least have everything in there. And I import all the data across from the website. It just makes it so much easier for me to, to manage them and just have a few separate columns, like where, like, why, like the price that I bought the card in for, 
my expected out um, and sometimes I cross check to see where they are and I'll just see what's my current out of this card if I'm looking at TCG low or Facebook retail or some type of buy list and I just I just try to keep it simple like that but I'm just moving such a bigger volume of cards like previously with that giant 5k box I might only send out two or three buy lists a month but they were quite large but I wasn't I'd move anywhere from 20 to 30 individual singles maybe every two to three weeks but now I'm more moving 200 to 500 singles every week and my box is only ever about a thousand cards deep so there's just this constant flow of draining what's in there and restocking are you doing that alphabetically or by set or by by what method are you doing that uh, I'm sticking to set. I, I just have a preference for that. It's it's more of a, like one of the guys who like just memory based stuff. I know that if I have things from say Amonkhet or Rivals of Ixalan, in my mind I know when I bought them and what's in there, and so I can go back to that set. Like for example, the other day I needed to change the price on my um, what are those things? A uh, Gish Gishanar, the the big dinosaur. I can't remember what his name is from Rivals of Ixalan, um, and I needed to go and update update those to TCG Low and just Knowing that I have them in that section for rivals in my box, it just it saved me even having to go online and find out the quantities that I had and what I bought in that. So I suppose it is a mixture of digital and memory. I'd like to add for the the organization standpoint. Um, I don't know if many of you have seen the the pictures I've shared from time to time of my massive shelves full of cards, but I find that the best way for me to organize my collection and I guess uh, you know by definition my spec list because everything is for set uh is is by rarity first by set second and then by color after that and so what i do is i i will have uh many 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 boxes of uncommons from all the years and separated into their own sets and then within those piles of uncommons i'll separate them by color and then organize them so that they're into duplicates or touching each other i don't have them interweaved with each other but Getting to the level of alphabetizing them is a little bit beyond what I'd want to do. Um, same by the same cards, I have you know a, a small maybe three hundred count box of each each um, block over the years. So I'll have all the all the Kalmagawa you know rares in one box together um, and organized by set and then by color in that that sense. So if someone says, hey, such and such a card just spiked, I can easily identify very quickly which box it might be in, go look through it, flip through about, you know, maybe 50 to 100 cards and find any copies that I have, uh, which I find is very useful when random spikes tend to occur on cards. I don't have to go sift through piles and piles and piles of, of, of bulk or of um, whatnot. But separating by rarity uh, really helps me in terms of identifying what is more important and, and how to locate it quickly. That's interesting too because uh, I, I mean the way I do it is as soon as I open up a sealed product uh, <laughs> as soon as I open up a, a sealed product uh, and if you ever want to break the habit as a player of buying sealed product uh, here's what you do when you open it up alphabetize it as you open it and you will learn to hate sealed product really really fast but you will have everything inventoried and ready to sell the moment you're done. So usually when I open up boxes, I have 26 piles. Uh, I'll alphabetize everything. 
then I'll break it down uh, into, uh, or I'll alphabetize each letter pile, which is kind of a bitch, but it, it really helps. Uh, and then uh, I took this advice actually from uh, Q and, and Merchant over, because they're direct sellers, then I just organized it by when the set released. Uh, so basically I have the, the cards alphabetized in their set, and you put that in a box, obviously label the box, uh, and you're you're good to go. I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of different methodologies, but I think that at the end of the day, what you really want is just be able to, to locate that box, be able to, to grab it quickly and, and just list it uh, and, and have it done quickly. And that does, I think, take a time investment at some point, but I think this is this is something where it's better to do it beforehand rather than after. Yeah, Gee. minimizing search time pays off in the long term. Very much yeah. so. You could almost even use the same method that's used when you're registering a sealed pool at a pre-release or at a main event. I would argue that the uh, the amount of time spent on on organizing common cards is not worth your time. I, but I throw them straight in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not even gonna lie. My fiance watches me, and she's just like, "You just paid money for those." I like, I no, <laughs> no. No, I paid money for the one slot in this pack, not the rest. Exactly. <laughs> I'll keep the uncommons, and that's me being benevolent. One of the things that that is very difficult to do is to be able to list cards for sale. And I know, Bacon, you've just recently joined TCG Player and are shipping directly from Ireland to the U.S. and really listing cards for sale to be pretty easy. I don't know whether I'm just getting lucky or if it's just that the market's always been there and all I had to do was just kind of start the account and start listing the, the big thing that i find is like i'd spend most of my days advising people of the european market and telling them cards that they can pick up now and i'd, I'd tag along with them but i'd be doing it to get buy lists out and the people who were taking my advice were doing it for their retail outs um and so i just wanted to see if i could get into that retail out market as well and because i'm doing it without um the middleman and I'm able to pick them up straight from card market and pay the most minimal amount for shipping. I can just buy something and say say there's something over here which is three euro, and then I check on card market and it's ten dollar TCG low. It, that that happens all the time, and I would I'll quite happily just buy mine for three euro, find out that the low is ten dollars on on TCG, and I can just stick mine up at eight dollars, which is well below the low. But because I'm already have so much of a discrepancy with what I, what my in was. I'm happy to take a reduced uh, profit for the sake of the fact that my card will sell probably within hours, and that's been what's happening. Like I only I only ever have about 180 to 250 single cards listed, and at the moment I think I'm at 70 about 78 sales in two and a half weeks, and all I'm doing is probably packaging. 12, 12, 14 singles per day just across multiple different sales and just shipping them out. And I'm getting anywhere from 100 to 200 different singles back into that inventory and just slowly building it. Like I, I, I've got level three now, so I could actually list up to 50,000, but I'm just happy with the, the pace that I'm at just because I'm just, I, it, it seems to be working for, for what I need. I, I do have some tips on listing that I could chime in here, I think. Uh, no, this, these tips are specific to TCG Player. They may not be the same on, on Magic Card Market or on eBay, definitely not on eBay. 
But uh, in terms of how you want to focus your time on listing cards, and this is this is if you have more than you um, can list. Uh, this is not for people that I have 50 cards to sell, just list them all. But if you have many more cards that you're willing to sell than you have time in the day to list, a, a very good way to figure out what you're going to sell is to go to TCG and sort by um, best-selling um, and look what what cards sell most frequently because those are often the ones that you're going to want to put up and get rid of and put up and get rid of. You don't want to spend your time listing hundreds of cards that sell once a month or even once a year, right? So a good filter to use is that best-selling filter. Even if it's by set, you can say, I've got a stack of mystery booster cards. Let me see what's the most popular uh, mystery booster card to sell. And then filter it that way and you'll be able to find the top 20, 30, 40 really easily that you should list that you have. Um, the next level to that is actually once you reach TCG direct status is you can use the tools they have to see what is giving you the biggest margin in TCG direct and focus your efforts on those cards because you don't want to waste all your time listing a card that, uh, you know, it, the direct price is the same as the TCG low price. What you really want is those cards that are $3 TCG low, but 6 or $7 TCG direct. And using the tools and doing a little bit of spreadsheet manipulation will help you identify early and quickly what those, uh, what those cards that are giving you the best margins are. So in terms of listing, I, I suggest playing with the TCG tools once you redirect and just using the filters when you're a basic TCG seller non-direct that you want to you want to focus your time on the cards that are going to be the quickest turnover. Yeah, that's, that's all great advice. I hadn't actually done the best seller one before, so I'll definitely check that out. But from from what I've been doing, uh, I mean, one, one example I have is uh, Oran Frostfang, which is the rare snake from Commander 2019. And I think I, I, I bought 137 copies of thing at about €3.10 each. Uh, and I didn't want to put them all up, so I just stuck up eight copies, and I've been selling them pretty regularly at that six to seven dollar mark. Uh, I think that I've I've sold five in a single order, quite a few ones and twos, but I'm just as soon as I kind of get through that eight to twelve listing that I have, I just go and stick another eight to twelve up and just slightly increase the price, and, and they're just consistently moving for me. Yeah, and I think this is pretty obvious, but also keep your listed inventory separate from your unlisted inventory. Um, you don't want to mix your collection of what do I have listed and what I don't. It just makes a nightmare trying to find cards, pulling them to ship them off when you have to look through cards you haven't listed as well as what you have. Um, that, that'll save a lot of time if, if you haven't thought about that already. But it's, it's a pretty big no-brainer. You, you don't want to keep the items that are not listed for sale alongside the items that are listed for sale. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I have one of those 500 count white boxes sitting on my desk and it just literally has TCG written on it and everything that I have listed is in that box. And as soon as it sells, I just take it off the spreadsheet then I go back into my big 1K box and find out what the next card is that I'm going to list it also, just back and forth. It will also save you the hassle of selling the card you've already gotten rid of some other way. That That's the worst. When you get rid of a card and it's still listed on TCG and then it sells and... You're like, oh no, I don't have that anymore, and now it's double the price. That's that's not a fun thing. Yeah, I'm sure I'll run into that, but so far, so good. And this is why I hate trading cards at FNM. It's one of the first things that I stopped doing the moment I tried 
to get into MG finance because I have a hard enough time tracking money through cards when, when I keep track. When you 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 pay fifteen dollars for uh, I like to use Perforos. You pay fifteen dollars for Perforos and then you trade it for two other cards that might add up to fifteen. You've you you've just made it so much harder for yourself. Now say you had that Perforos listed for sale, but now you've traded it at F and M. So you've got to remember when you get home that you've now, or, or just on the fly, you've got to now update your inventory because if that sells in the meantime, that's real, that's not good. Uh, and then you also have to add those cards back in. You've got to be able to trace back the, the dollars that you put in, how it affects those cards. Even if you're just doing it in your head, it just, there's still a lot of work to, to follow, I find, when you trade cards. And when you remember the fact that when you're trading a card, you're usually trading for equivalent value. So there's no there's no reason to do. I mean, if you're doing it as a player, it makes total sense. But from a finance element, it just needlessly makes your world incredibly confusing. Uh, so just keep that in mind it, in terms of separation of church and state. If you have a card that's listed, don't trade it. <laughs> don't trade it. Actually, speaking of trading cards, that that's basically going to be non-existent now, right? Because of COVID. I've gotten to the point where if I list something locally, I expect to have a local price for it, but I'm not looking to trade anything. Uh, I have spent this past year not trading anything at all, and it's been kind of refreshing not to have to carry around these binders and not have to restock them from week to week. And uh, it's one of those things where it just makes more sense to be able to list things online and to get things moving rather quickly. Coda, are you 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 sell all the time uh, everywhere? Uh, you're selling cards, you're trading, you're you're actively uh, getting rid of stuff. What do you recommend for listing or locally and then internationally? I was I was going to say um, my um, I have an uh, exact opposite experience as uh, as Wolf. Uh, uh, like to trade a lot, uh, but mostly because. I either get uh, rid of cards that uh, I don't uh, like. I already spiked, or I don't use anymore. So maybe I got something for personal use that became popular, and I have, and now I don't use it anymore. So I get rid of it. I've been using a, a lot deck box, and I really recommend it because sometimes you can also use it as, as a as a buy list. There are some a couple of professional users that. Uh, uh, will take basically any cards above seven dollar TCG mid, and take any card, any amount of cards, uh, and just take thirty percent off, and they you get access to their whole inventory. And sometimes you can find some some gems. I, I recently got uh, uh, <laughs> um, an extended adapter foil real for my real deck that I was really looking forward to, and I traded away uh, one Archmage Charm foil. Which the TCG made is crazy, for like forty dollars, and you would, reasonably you would never sell it for forty dollars. But being able to sell it for thirty percent of uh, forty dollars and get a car you want, there is some value in, especially in time saved. And Deckbox is also my go-to for for listing cards, as uh, Papa was was asking. Um, as, sorry, as as father was asking. <laughs> Sorry, in Italia, pa father and papa mean, mean the same thing. <laughs> so it's really confusing for me. 
Um, um, I, I, I use Blackbox uh, um, for um, um, for listing as well, and um, <clears throat> I have a, I have a, I have a, had a very poor uh, luck in TCG for listing, in part because uh, I find the the interface for listing incredibly clunky, <laughs> and in in part because um, uh, I, I I I prefer to to buy list and having to deal only with a single order rather than um, multiple smaller ones. And I don't know for as far for Europe because I, I've never sold anything in Europe except uh, except on eBay. Well, I'd like to jump in um, and just tell you that isn't isn't ciao also hello and goodbye in Italian? Does it also have double meaning? Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, uh, that wasn't the reason I wanted to jump in. I, I actually had a clarification on practices when I mentioned that uh, sorting by um, popularity will give you the the, the most popular card. Um, I, it was pointed out to me that it actually uses an algorithm to multiply the number of number of copies by the price. So, for example, the example that was used was a uh, uh, a Mishra's factory or sorry, Mishra's workshop in antiquities is the number one selling card, even though it probably isn't. It's just that it has such a high price that when one sells, it's worth 20 copies of any other card. Um, so take that in mind when you're sorting by popularity. Um, I know that CK does this as well. When you look at the Card Kingdom's website and look at what's the most popular, often Black Lotus will be the number one, even though only one copy sold. But you know that makes it $10,000 worth of business for that one day on Black Lotus versus everything else is less than that. Um, so, anyways, thank you to uh, Illuminati for pointing that out to me. TCG also uses the formula of multiply price by quantity sold to get uh, a relevant number. So, so Papa, you've you've jumped in there. Um, your your listing process is is pretty similar, but you also sell on uh, on social media when box prices come up. Is that true? Mm. I try not to. <laughs> Social media is the is the the dearth of buyers. It's terrible. Um, I think for every for every ten leads I get on social media, maybe one goes through. And so I've basically given up. Um, I'll try it once. I'll dip my toes in once in a while. But I think uh, other people in this Discord, specifically Bizarre and other people, mm -hmm. um, do a lot more social media sales. I find that it's just not worth the hassle. Um, I still have a box of Russian uh, Modern Horizons. No, a case. Six boxes of Russian Modern Horizons packaged up with a shipping label on it, waiting for a person that offered to pay me for them about a year ago now. And it's just sitting in my closet because the guy was so certain he's going to pay me that I went and I boxed everything up and got it read and said, here you go. And the money never came through. So, but it's, it's, it's really frustrating to sell on social media. People expect like a huge discount. They are very fickle about going through with a transaction. Um, you've got the, the dangers of them trying to do a chargeback saying I never got it or whatnot. I, I try to avoid social media selling practices. Just it, it never turns out well in my experience. I tend to agree with you. Um, one of the things that, that I find uh, very difficult to do myself is to be able to just keep track of everything that's going on and to be able to, to keep track of all the details that are 
be able to buy and sell things. Uh, but even more so, I, I find it really difficult to, to really keep my mind on shipping things out. And I find that happening this week. Uh, with everything that's, that's come in for sale this week, I, I end up with stuff sitting in my car. And I'm just like, shoot, I have to drop that off at the post office as I go from client to client. Where's the nearest post office? How have you been handling shipping cards out? I know that some of you live uh, in larger metropolitan cities, and some of us live in smaller metro cities or even rural areas. Uh, what works for you to be able to ship things out? Uh, for me, uh, every single day, I would spend some amount of time putting together packages and shipping stuff until COVID hit and I shut everything, all my sales down. Um, I would just devote you know, a few hours every single day to keep on top of everything. I, I couldn't go for more than 24 hours without paying attention. I, I was doing, you know, 10, 20, 30 sales a day. So you really can't, you can't get lax about it when it's that level. But I think that just setting aside time and knowing it's going to take, take your time is very important. I had to put my store on vacation when I'd leave just for a week. You know, I had a, I had a business a work trip that it would take me out of town for three days. And so I had to go put on vacation because there was no way I was going to keep up the orders during those three days. Yeah, I've pretty much been doing the same. Um, I think I'm each, each day anywhere from five to 14 sales coming in and I just have to, I, I'm putting myself interested in the pattern of every day checking my email so I can see all those great sales when I wake up in the morning. And then quite often in the evening when I've got my, two or three hours after the kids are going to bed and Mrs. watching her shows and my work day's finished, then that's my time to just package everything and then straight the post the next morning. Uh, yeah, for me, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I have a doorman, which makes life really easy because I just buy him a cup of coffee every, every other morning and just kind of leave a, an $800 envelope with him that I don't think he realizes what it's worth, but he always just, make sure when the, the uh, UPS or, or USPS guy shows up, uh, it always goes out. And then uh, I, I noticed this, especially uh, not to knock anyone here, but to throw a little shade uh, with the older crew, you, you don't have to go to the post office. You can print shipping labels from pirate ship, from PayPal. There's a lot of different ways that you can just do it at home. Uh, and I would definitely recommend utilizing those services and those features uh oftentimes you'll be able to get the labels cheaper than you would if you went to the post office and you're also saving a ton of time uh, so i would definitely recommend looking into those if you haven't already wait you mean i can use the internet to buy things <laughs> it's a crazy world man shark typhoon still on the top selling list on tcg people I mean, the internet can do things man you actually meet a lot of interesting people at the post office. If you're feeling lonely, it's the best place to go. I, I, I think the Italian post offices must be much nicer, unless you're talking about the Manhattan ones. I'm talking about weird the, stuff. It's like a Walmart. Maybe it's so nice with the Italian posts because they all have conversations with each other, which could be why my post takes three to four weeks to turn off from Italy. Oh, like, I don't know. I I don't. I, I never go to the Italian post office. Yeah, I think the, I think the bottom line is do what works for you because you just need to stay on top of it. it. It's something that that if you let it slip, it'll slide, and 
if you really want to do this to make serious income, you've got to be professional about your shipping. And that's including saving 10% on shipping by buying online or packaging your orders the day before. Um, especially with TCG Direct, uh, I, I find myself, as I go through stuff, I will pull cards that I know I don't have to send off for a day or two just because I don't want to go waste my time looking for them in a few days. Like, Just prepare, doing as much advanced work as possible is really helpful. I have to admit, I just accidentally printed a label just now that I didn't intend to print. And uh, it looks like everything for the information is on there, but I have to confirm it. Uh, it just baffles my mind uh, that we can print things from home and make it work. Uh, I I tend to ship things a little bit quicker than, than most people do. Uh, I think it's important to get things out within 24 hours of an order. Uh, I prefer 12, but at the same time, we have things that, that must get out and must be actively engaged in. Uh, if, if you would give anybody advice about how to organize their, uh, their speculative cards, how to organize their, their finance, what would you do? What would you, what advice would you give them? Bacon? Geez, advice. I don't know if I'm the best person for advice. <laughs> it's coming from the guy who's going to be uh, a father of another child in, in what, seven days? I'm pretty sure that they take care of themselves for the first few years. <laughs> my my most simple advice is to value your time. Don't don't consider your time worthless, and do things as if your time costs money. That's that's probably the best, just general advice for how to go about approaching this. Because things take time, and if you want to make serious money at it, you, you've got to do stuff. You've got to leverage efficiencies. You can't be printing every single order individually handwriting every single thing individually and walking to the post office every single shipment you, you really need to find ways that you can maximize your or minimize your time and maximize your your income per per sale uh, i can i can fully agree with that if there's anything i've learned over the last two years is that it is okay to just take a weekend and, and to just switch off and then come back well, I know a lot of people will disagree with me in the Discord, but I just don't want to list anything under five bucks. I, I just think five dollar or under sale is not worth the time it takes to to manage that sale. You know, like it, it's just not. It doesn't matter if if I got the card for fifty cents and I'm selling it for five bucks. Maybe if I'm doing it in bulk, okay. But uh, I I don't know. I I when it comes to two dollars and three dollar and four dollar cards, I just I get so frustrated because I know I can sell them for four bucks or I can send them to a buy list for two bucks. And the, the amount of work and effort it takes to get that, eat that extra little few pennies out of it just isn't worth my time. It's really frustrating, but I, yeah. I think you've got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, definitely. And th that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm doing those two and three and $4 sales, but it's because I want to build my, my TCG profile. Like I'm happy to, sometimes even not make a profit if it just means that if I can send out one extra item. Oh, and get no, my, no, no, no. I mean, that's, 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 um, that's a different situation. I, I agree with that. I actually sold cards at a loss to try to get my seller level up to four. Like I was selling cards for mm -hmm. less than I would, not less than I'd pay for, but after taxes or after shipping and fee and stuff, I really wasn't making any money. But I was just doing that for volume because I knew once I reached seller level four that i had access to all these other things and then i could apply for direct 
but so it was it was in the larger picture looking at the forest from the trees and saying hey i'm gonna lose some money wasting my time trying to ship these out but the the, the bigger benefit is that i'll get direct and now i can ship out 500 to a thousand dollars every couple days and have minimal effort involved yeah i i'm gonna go with less hot and heavy here but uh i think it's i think it's a good rule of thumb for people um don't 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 do not have your cell inventory in binders just don't do that because uh, i i've seen a lot of people when they go from being the player and they're tr- they want to kind of dual wield or they want to get involved in finance taking the time to sleeve your card put it in the binder organize your binder is your binder organized the way that you want it you're only going to fit a couple copies each if you buy 12 of a copy that's taking binders are so incredibly 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 inefficient on your time uh and i feel like that's the predominant way most people carry around and and have their collection um i remember as a player i probably reorganized my binder over a dozen and a half times and thinking back it's it's such wasted time Uh, obviously you need some form of organization but especially uh just for listing cards uh don't move away from that as fast as you humanly can Binders are definitely the naughty's smartphone. <laughs> so across the board, Coda, is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, not really. Uh, I, I agree with um, with the no binder policy. Uh, and I've actually, now that uh, somebody else is describing this to me, uh, I noticed I went through this t- transition where I used to have like two or three binders and then I slowly switched to just boxes and boxes even when I was trading. Mm. Binders are great for displaying and being proud of your collection. They're really good for showing off stuff. That's what binders are for. If you're if you're trying to sell stuff, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to hold it all in binders. I mean, binders are also a great conversation starter. That that was quite often how I used to make friends back in the early days of Magic. The first thing you do is you'd ask someone, "Do you have a trade binder?" Well, it's also like uh, uh, Wolf was mentioning sorting their um, the binders, but it's there is some something cathartic about it. Like you feel like you reduce the entropy of the universe a little bit. And so there is something, like when you organize your binder, there is something psychological about it, in my opinion. Oh, I, I definitely agree, and I love it. And my binders are filled with cards I'll never sell. That's that's what my binders have. I, I love putting things into binders. I have binders full of, I've got a set of Arabian Nights, a set of Antiquities, a set of the Dark, all, all in binders, very nicely displayed. I even have an Alpha Beta Unlimited common set that I'm very proud of. It's in a binder. But all of these are cards I'm never going to expect to sell. So <laughs> use binders, but they're they're not used to, for, you know, finance, MTG finance. They're used for the, the other aspects of Magic. I completely agree with you. One of the things that is very important is to find a methodology that works for you. And finding cards that matter for you is very important. Uh, being able to display them in a way that makes sense, being able to uh, 
being able to hold on to things uh, that matter to you in a very aesthetic and pleasing way is, a, is an important thing to do. I know that uh, my Minotaur binder will never see uh, a sale until I die. Um, it's one of those things that I just hold on to and it, it makes me happy to be able to look at all those Minotaurs and all the different printings of things. But at the same time, we recognize that having things uh, to keep is one aspect of the MTG Finance game. Being able to know what we like and what we want to keep and hold on to is very important. Um, I would encourage you, find a method that works for you. Uh, if this cast does nothing else for you, it should remind you that you are the master of your ship. Uh, find a way to organize your specs and or organize your information in such a way that you can hold on to it and quickly and easily use it for your own benefit. I would encourage you to develop tools that make sense for you. We look at people like, like Wolf and uh, Coda and Noxon and Bacon and Papa, and they have all developed things that matter to them and that work for their everyday life. I'm going to disagree Papa. with you for just a second. Uh, everyone needs to learn how to use Sheets or learn Excel or use some kind of spreadsheet methodology beyond just magic. Learning to use a spreadsheet is probably one of the most... Um, basic skills of the 21st century like if you don't know that already you, you need to know how to use cells how to use formulas how to organize data like it, it's a I'm, i maybe i'm being elitist here but i think every single person just like they need to go to college every single person needs to know how to use a spreadsheet so <laughs> i maybe you don't use it for magic but it's it's a it's a lifelong skill that you'll find very useful throughout your throughout your uh, entire life but <laughs> what, what you said is correct use what works for you thank you so much papa and thank you all once again for joining us on this cast we're going to open it up and unmute everybody here in a second but uh, i want to thank everybody for bearing with us if you have questions or comments or want to banter with us now's the time to do it uh thanks for joining us today I have to admit, I I love a good Will Ferrell movie, but I have never heard of this, and now I'm excited. 